A reading from Acts, chapter 16, verses 25 through 31. <clears throat> Excuse me. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. And suddenly there was a great earthquake, so that the foundations of the prison were shaken. And immediately all the doors were opened, and everyone's bonds were unfastened. When the jailer woke and saw that the prison doors were open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself, supposing that the prisoners had escaped. But Paul cried with a loud voice, Do not harm yourself, for we are all here. And the jailer called for lights and rushed in, and trembling with fear, he fell down before Paul and Silas. Then he brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they said, Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, and you will be saved, you and your household. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks, Thanks be, to be to God. The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to St. Matthew. Glory to you, Lord Christ. Jesus said, You are the salt of the earth, but if salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets, I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. For truly I say to you, until heaven and earth pass away, not an iota, not a dot will pass from the law until all is accomplished. Therefore, whoever relaxes one of the least of these commandments and teaches others to do the same will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever does them and teaches them will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I tell you, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. The Gospel of the Lord. We are continuing with our series that we entitled, Who Do You Think You Are? The central theme of this whole pulpit series is when you know who you are, you will know what to do. So in week one, if you are a Christian, you are an ambassador of the Lord Jesus Christ. There's nothing regular about you. You are the highest ranking diplomat sent by God from the kingdom of heaven to this earth. Week two, if you are a Christian, you are a masterpiece. You are created for the master's purpose. God has given us everything we need to live a life of godliness. And the underlying thought out of that message was God does not create junk. Week number three, if you are a Christian, you are an overcomer. Romans chapter 8 verse 37 says, We are more than conquerors. We are hooper nekeu. Never poised for failure with a victim mindset, but poised with strength, with an overcoming attitude. So let's move into some thoughts and statements that will set us up for this week's theme. And the key word that I want you to remember for this week's message is influence. Influence. 
While I was pastoring in the UK, one of the greatest things about starting and building an evangelical church in urban England in the 1990s was there was no shopping plazas. There was no shopping malls. There were no big supermarkets. There was just the regular high street stores. And the sidewalks were packed with shoppers every Saturday. So several of us in the church would mingle amongst the crowd on the streets and hand out church services and invitations to try and start and engage in conversations with people on the streets. So over the years, I became like a part of the furniture in the town where our church was planting itself. And people would see me on the street every Saturday morning. I would get an either uh, a hello reverend or no, I'm not coming to your church, pal. Get away from me. And so it was the no, I'm not coming to your church, pal. Those people finally did come and they got saved. But one of the areas of the town that I used to like to hang around and try to engage people in conversation was the free house. There's a picture there. Now, a free house in England is a tavern. But this tavern was more like a house of ill repute. And I was called, it was called the Crown and Anchor. And for six years, every Saturday morning, for a couple of hours, in all kinds of weather, I would stand out of the front of this tavern of ill repute and urge people to take Jesus as their personal saviour. And I managed to win a couple or three people to the Lord over those six years. But one day, the publican, the tavern owner, came out and asked to talk to me. And in doing so, he invited me into the tavern. Well, I don't know if, you, it was, if I was being overly sensitive or not, but it seemed like everyone's head was in the street was on a swivel and they turned around and looked as I walked into the house of ill repute. And as I walked into the darkness of the bar, the smell of cigarettes and the smell of stale beer in the carpet just turned my stomach. And I could hear the cynical whispers of people. It's the preacher, the reverend. The God-botherer's here. The Bible-thumper. What's he doing here? He, he shouldn't be in here. And right there, I had to reset my mind and remember that Jesus was often criticised for eating with sinners and tax collectors and the Pharisees just could not stand that. Luke 5, 31 to 32 said, Jesus answered them, Is it not the healthy who need a doctor but the sick? I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. So as I settled in and as the publican engaged me in a conversation and gave me a free Coke, it turned out that all the people that came into his tavern on a Saturday came in with my church invitation in their hand, the flyer in their hand. And the majority of people kept them, but some of them left them on the bar or they ended up on the floor, or they were put in the ashtray, or they were left in the, in the restroom. And it turned out that the, that, that message, that invitation, intrigued the publican because he, he had to go around and pick them all up at the end of the day and put them in the, in the trash. And so that message intrigued the publican, and he wanted to know more about Christianity. I was able to make a significant or make significant spiritual progress And I was able to move this bloke much closer to Christ during our conversation. But here's the intriguing thing. 
When I stepped out of the tavern, it seemed like the whole town knew that the Aussie preacher was in the crown and anchor, uh, having a drink with a well-known sinner. Now, the words that should have come from their lips would be, good job, Reverend, there you go, acting like Jesus again, because when you know who you are, you know what to do, right? So who are you? I want to remind you, if you are a Christian, God has called you to be a change agent, a divine influencer. Who do you think you are? Jesus said, you are the salt of the earth and you are the light of the world. This is a massive and just as important statement. You are not just the salt of your community or the light of your city. You are the salt of the earth and the light of the world. So we need to know who we are in Christ so that we will know what to do. Matthew 5.13 says, You are the salt of the earth, but if its salt loses salt, its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no, no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled by men. So you are the salt of the earth. So what does that mean? So let's answer that by looking at what salt is. In the context that Jesus is, was speaking, his listeners would have known that salt was known as the second most important commodity on earth. So in ancient times, in biblical times, salt was the second most important commodity on earth. The ancients believed that the sun and daylight was the most important thing, but the number two thing, was salt because of all the things that it could do before the times of refrigeration and all of our modern conveniences that we depend on and that we enjoy today. In fact, ancient Rome, in ancient Rome, people were often paid for their labor in salt. That's how valuable salt was. It was a currency. And you had, if you were paid with salt, uh, it was because you were valued. And, and, and that is where we get that expression, he's worth his weight in salt. Or she's worth her weight in salt. Or he's not worth his weight in salt. Or she's not worth her weight in salt. Because people were actually paid in salt. Now Jesus says, that's what you are. But today, if you're referencing or you're referred to as the salt of the earth or you're, you're a salt of the earth kind of person, it means that you're like a simple person, right? Or you're a good person who lives a simple way of life. People from the country often are referred to as the salt of the earth. But Jesus didn't coin that phrase in reference to simple country folk. Jesus was talking about a transformation, a transformation that can only come from God. Jesus was referring to the outward working of the salvation experience. So in other words, if you're a Christian, if you're a follower and a believer of Christ, you are a change agent, a Christ-empowered influencer sent into this world. So let's think about what salt does. First of all, salt preserves if you are a Christian, you should be a divine preserver, helping people find eternal life through Jesus Christ. Secondly, salt purifies. 
in a very impure world. You and I should be an agent of purification, representing the kingdom of God and holiness in a very impure world. Thirdly, salt creates a first. If you have ever been in a tavern uh, with a well-known sinner like I have, chances are that they'll serve you some peanuts or potato chips, right? And they will be heavily salted to make you thirsty. So the theory is that you'll order more booze and spend more money. Salt creates thirst. So as a Christian, when you are so full of God's transforming love, you will create a divine thirst in other people to the point that people should say or indicate to you, what is this all about? What is it that you have? Why are you so happy all the time? So how can I get what you have? So salt creates a thirst. Salt also melts. I just ordered a giant bag of pet-friendly salt from Sam's Club. I did that because Buddy Johnson said, you're going to need that the next few months to stop the ice forming on your front porch and your pathway so that your family won't slip and hurt themselves because salt melts ice. In the same way, you and I are the warmth of the love of God that can melt hearts, cold hearts, and soften them to hear the things of God. And finally, salt heals. I can remember as a teenager on summer holidays, I would catch the number 800 bus from Dandenong Station and it went all the way down to Frankston Beach every day on the summer holidays. And so for the whole summer, my facial acne would clear up from swimming in the salt water in the sea every day. Not only did the salt water purify, but it healed my acne. So in the same way, you being filled with the Holy Spirit, being filled with the Spirit of God, can be a healing agent in this world to people who have been hurt by religion or turned away from the things of God. You are the salt of the earth. And so when you know who you are, you will know what to do. What else are you? Jesus said in verses 14 to 15, You are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. Jesus was again talking in the context that everyone would have understood. In the Middle East or in in a Middle Eastern home, there would only have been one window And at the end of the day, it was somebody's job in the home. And the only reason why there's one window is because, um, uh, you know, there was no glass back then. So they would have created a draft in the house if you had a, a bunch of windows. So the window was to let light into the house during the day. But when the end of the day came, it was somebody's job to light the candle or the oil lamp. And we need to remember that there was no lighters. There was no matches back then. So it was, diff- it was a difficult process and it took some time to light that wick. And if they would ever leave their home at night for any reason, they would take a, a pottery bowl with a hole in the top and turn it upside down and place it over the candle or the lamp to, to save the flame. And that protected that flame from blowing out and also allowed the flame to breathe and to keep burning and to protect the flame. So what is Jesus saying? What is he saying? He's saying, when you are in the house, there's no need, 
to do that. There's no need to put a bowl over it. There's no need to put a special bowl to cover the flame and to save it because you want the benefit of the whole of the light. So here's the big idea that Jesus is getting at. As Christians, don't ever cover up the light. Verse 16 says, In the same way, let your light shine before men that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. You are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. The world needs salt because it's impure. The world needs light because it is dark. And Jesus says, you are the salt of the whole earth and you are the light of the entire world. When you know who you are, you will know what to do. Because you are light, you should not run from the darkness. You should shine into the darkness. Because you are salt, you don't run from the impurities because God will use you as a change agent. You are the salt of the earth and you are the light of the world. If you are a Christian, you are a Christ-empowered influencer and your life should and will make a difference. And so once again, let me stress this point. It doesn't matter how you feel. That's what Jesus says you are. Oh, but pastor, I need to learn more about the Bible. No, Bible or no Bible. Jesus says, if you are a Christian, you are the salt of the earth and you are the light of the world. You are an influencer. And yes, you should read your Bible. You should get to know your Bible. You should learn your Bible. So let's look at two thoughts this morning that I pray will motivate you and help drive this truth into your heart and you will be the salt of the earth and you will be the light of the world. So first thought this morning, as as the light, we have to learn to let our light shine because of what God has done in our life and when you realise who he is, it should be a natural overflow this morning. Acts chapter 16 is a great story of two blokes who were salt and light and their lives impacted everyone who was close by. Their names were Paul and Silas, two men who were transformed by Jesus. And so everywhere they went, they were telling people about Jesus. And the religious authorities of the day didn't like what they were doing and what they were saying and told them to stop. But because of this, and they did not stop, and because of this they were arrested and they were beaten on many occasions. But these two blokes just wouldn't stop. And so there's a little introductory part to this story that says they were stripped, flogged, put into prison and their legs were put into stocks. Now, if you are like me, You just read over that verse or you've just read over that verse at another time perhaps and think, oh well, they're having a bad day. So let's pause for a moment and think how bad a day that was. They were stripped. Can you imagine that in public? Your clothes taken off your body in public? And then they were beaten and flogged. Traditionally, it was 39 stripes across the back across your bare back and then they were put into a dungeon and their legs were put in stocks 
To have your legs put in stocks was a painful ordeal. With your legs spread as far as they could be spread apart and you were sat on your backside, it would induce cramping and it was used as a method of torture. So your legs were put in stocks. So these blokes are having a really bad day. So what do they think? What do you, what do you think that Paul and Silas did after a day like that? Acts chapter 16 verse 25 says about midnight Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God and the other prisoners were listening to them. So just because of who they were they were letting their light shine. It didn't take a vestry meeting decision like now uh, okay okay, we're in prison over here and we're Christians so what should we do to really represent Christ? Should we have a Bible study? No, 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 we, we can't reach our Bibles because our legs are in stocks. Should we quote a memory verse to them? Should we sing some songs? To them? Okay, let's vote and find out what to do. They didn't do that at all. It, it, it was simply who they were. It was just simply who they were. And because of who they were, they let their light shine. A great example is the moon. When the sky is clear and the moon is shining bright, It's a great sight to behold. But on a technical level, is the moon bright? No, the moon is not bright. It's the sun that is really bright. And the moon reflects the sun's brightness. And in the very same way, this is what you and I do as lights, as a light of the world. We may not be bright on our own, but you simply reflect the sun. Jesus, the light of the world. John 8, 12 says, Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. And so we are called to let this light shine as an overflow of who God is and what God has done in our life. The Apostle Paul says in Romans 1, 16, I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God for the salvation of everyone who believes in other words I'm not going to confess him publicly anywhere I am going to sorry confess him publicly anywhere and everywhere I go I'm not ashamed of Christ and I would never hide my faith I would never put a bowl over the light and anywhere and everywhere and everyone is going to know who I stand for because he gave his life for me And there are two reasons why your light is not shining if you are a Christian. Number one, you've hidden the light and I pray that you would take the bowl off. But number two, there's Satan's blown it out. And I pray that the Spirit of God would reignite the fire in your heart this morning and let you shine. As Christians, it should be our greatest joy to represent and reflect the Father's love. So let's pick up the story again in verse 26. It said, Suddenly there was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken. At once all the prison doors flew open and everyone's chains came loose. The jailer woke up and when he saw the prison doors open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself because he thought the prisoners had escaped. But Paul shouted, Do not harm yourself. We are all here. The Apostle Paul's reaction is amazing. It's amazing, to me at least anyway, on several levels. Because 
if God broke me out of prison, the chances are highly, extremely high that I would just leg it down the road. I would have no compassion for the jailer. He was the one who put me in the prison cell and spread my legs and put me on my backside and put me in stocks. This bloke is a bad guy. He, he's the darkness and I am out of there. And that is what we do as Christians today. We look at people and say, darkness. And because of their lifestyle, because of their secular music, because of their tattoos, because of their purple hair, because of their clothes, we run and we avoid. And so the point I'm making with this our, our scripture out of Acts 16, the narrative that we're looking at, darkness isn't simply something that you run from. When you are the light, you shine into it. And that's what Paul and Silas did. They stuck around. They didn't run. And they said to the jailer, who they could have wanted to be harmed, don't harm yourself. Don't harm yourself. So what did Paul and Silas do? They showed love to the jailer. This is what being salt and light is all about. They showed love to this bloke for who he was. This was an incredible act of love. Some of you might be thinking, well, pastor, I, I, I need to know more before I can become salt and light. I need to know more. Here's the big idea. Most people don't care how much you know. They want to know how much you care. Exactly. They don't care how much you know. They want to know how much you care. And so when you care, you can minister to people in such a profound way. And that is what Paul and Silas did. They just loved on this bloke and said, hey, don't hurt yourself. We are still here. It's amazing that what, what can happen when you see darkness and an opportunity to shine your light into that. Soon after I became a Christian, I, I changed jobs because I was looking for different, a different work environment where, where there were fewer temptations, let's say, because I had come out of a very sinful lifestyle uh, and some of what, I, some of what was, uh, I came out of was still happening in my workplace. So I took a new job with a decal company and I was an ink technician and a colour matcher because... I thought it would be a safer work environment. But little did I know that I was stepping out of the fry pan into the fire. Working at the decal company made my last job look like a seven-year-old's birthday party. I, I, I won't go into all the lurid details, but suffice to say, I made no friends for myself when I drew bikinis and panties on all, with my black Sharpie on all the pornographic posters that were covering up the, were all, over the, all over the break room. So I thought to myself, I can't work here. It's too dark. It's too dark. And a very wise Christian friend said, maybe God has sent you there to make a difference. So I totally shifted my mindset and began to pray for these people and not see them as the enemy, but recipients of God's love. Before I left that job to go into ministry, I had the privilege of leading seven people to the Lord and, they, and I brought them to church as well. So over the years, I'd lost touch with many of them. But until one Saturday morning, years and years later, I was standing on the sidewalk at the entrance of my local supermarket, talking to some people from my church. 
and a very big hairy biker was marching and thumping up the street looking straight at me his eyes were fixed on me they were fixed with a glare right on me and for a split second I recognized him and the cold hand of fear gripped my heart it was the guy whose posters I drew bikinis and panties on and at that time I truly he truly threatened to kill me because I did that before I could run he had me in a bear hug And he squeezed the air out of my lungs. And he shouted with a loud shout, Praise the Lord! His name was Tony, and seemingly I really got under his skin uh, with this whole thing that Jesus wants to save you. Yeah, I really got under his skin. And after I'd left that job and went into ministry, he checked out the things that I told him, and he got saved. Cleaned his life up got off the drugs, got off the booze. He found a great church that accepted his biker look, got married, had a bunch of kids. So it was so rewarding to know that my time at that decal company changed so many lives. Now, you need to know that I was not Pastor Taylor back then, okay? I was regular Neil Taylor, ink technician, working a regular job, the colour matcher bloke, who was salt and light, and that is exactly what you are called to be. If it is dark, then you need to let your light shine into the darkness. Second thought, when you live as salt and light, it changes lives. And that is exactly what happened in Acts chapter 16, starting in 29. It says, The jailer called for lights, rushed in and fell trembling before Paul and Silas, He then brought them out and asked. The most powerful and complimentary question that anyone could ever ask you. Basically, I've seen your life. They say, basically, I've seen your life. I've seen your faith. I've seen your unwavering passion. Sirs, what must I do to be saved? What must I do to be saved? The most powerful and complimentary question that any human being can ever ask you. In other words, I want what you have. You have created a thirst. I've seen you worship when you should have not been worshipping. I heard you preach when they told you to stop. I've seen God act and now I want what you have. What must I do to have what you have? And this is what they said. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. You and your household. Call on his name and you will become a new creation. The old is gone. Call on his name and you will become God's masterpiece created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God prepared in advance for you to do. Call on him and you will become an overcomer by the blood of the lamb and by the words of your testimony. Call on him and you will become an ambassador, God's highest ranking diplomat sent from heaven to earth. You will become the salt of the earth and you will become the light of the world. When you call on Jesus, you will never ever be the same so here's the big idea when you know him not when you go to church when you know him when you know him you will be salt and light and you can't stop being that 
It's just going to happen. I try to develop relationships with people through all the different aspects of my life, whether it be the people over at the chicken shop at the gas station over there uh, and the bloke who cuts my hair. He's just like, why is there an Australian in Akron? It freaks everyone out. I try to develop these friendships and invite them to church and church services and the greatest compliment you can ever get is when people say, yes, I'll come to church. I want what you have. So let me qualify that by saying it's not a common occurrence. It's not a common occurrence. In fact, it's an extraordinary experience for someone to ask you, what must I do? Oftentimes I find that salt and light works best over a long period of time. There was this one young man whose name was Andy and I bumped into him on one one Saturday morning on the street and I struck up a conversation with him uh, which got around to Jesus and the things of God and he just blew me off. And my parting words to him were, well, one day you're going to want to talk about Jesus and about God. Please come to me when that time comes. And he said, yeah, right, yeah, right. I bumped into him regularly off and on for two years. Then one day he asked to talk to me and his, and he, and, and, and his life, because his life was just so messed up with booze and drugs and broken relationships. And I invited him to a small group that I was running and he came. And then he came to church. He then prayed that life, that life transforming prayer with me and he gave his heart to Jesus. Took a bit of time. Today... And he's married to a lovely lady called Sue. And they have four kids together. And today he's in ministry. He's an assistant pastor. Often salt and light works best over a long period of time. Some of you today have people in your lives you have given up on a long time ago. You've given up on them. I'm challenging you today not to give up. Salt and light. Love and grace. Not running from the darkness, but shining into the darkness with the love of Christ. This is who God has created you to be. He can use you to make a difference. So as we close, here is what amazes me about this story in Acts and the jailer. Paul and Silas were in Philippi. Today, Philippi is modern-day Macedonia. And many people believe that it was this single event that brought about the birth of the whole church in Philippi, in Macedonia. Two people sharing with one bloke whose whole family was changed. And that overflowed into the beginnings and the growth of a church movement. That is why we are called to be light, the light of the world, and we're called to be the salt of the earth. You are not a regular Christian who goes to church and believes moral things and warms up a seat. No, you are a divine change agent. You are an undercover influencer. There are times when you work behind the scenes and there are times when you need to shine boldly. God has created you and this is who you are. You are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. You are a Christ-empowered influencer and your life will make a difference. So let's all stand and as we do, 
let's bow our heads and just quieten our hearts before an almighty God. Father God, I pray for everyone who claims your dear Son as their personal Saviour and Lord in their lives. I pray that your Spirit would seal this truth in their hearts, that they would be the salt and the light. And so while heads are bowed, eyes are closed, no one looking around, I want to challenge those people who really want to be salt and light this morning. You want to be a great influencer for Christ in this world. And to those people, I want you to think for a moment about individuals. Could be a family member, could be a friend, could be a workmate, someone in your class at school, could be your boss, could be your son, your daughter, your mother, your father, your brother or sister, whoever they are, will you bring their names to the front of your mind right now and think about them right now? And in doing so, I want you to bring them before God and acknowledge them to God right now. Now, God, we pray for these people. We acknowledge that you love them even more than we do. And as much as we want them to know you, God, you want it even more. So, God, we ask for a miracle. And you would give us the greatest honour of being just one player amongst many players that you bring into their lives right now. To, the point, to point them towards Christ. God, give us the opportunity. Let us be close by, believing that they will come to know you. Make your children in this room today, Lord, salt and light in the name of Jesus. And all God's people said, Amen.